After surviving a near-death experience, Jen Perry decided she wanted to do more with her life. A lot more. So in 2014, she founded a social enterprise that sells a practical product, tackles plastic waste, and provides opportunities to uplift women and communities. And that's just the beginning. Welcome to In the Business of Change, where we speak with social entrepreneurs impacting their communities and the world. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum, publisher and editor-in-chief of Sea Change magazine. For those still asking, my recently published book, also titled In the Business of Change, Profiling Social Entrepreneurs Around Their World, can be found at your local bookstore, at Amazon, or on our website. On today's podcast, we speak with Jen Perry, the founder of JELT, a social enterprise that produces retro-inspired belts made from recycled plastic bottles. Beyond its environmental mission, the social enterprise is dedicated to empowering women and supporting local too. In our conversation, for example, Jen shares how they hire women from the Montana Correctional Enterprise Program with a mission of breaking the cycle of incarceration. She also discusses the challenges of inventory management, the successes that inspire her each and every day, and then implores every wannabe social entrepreneur to take that leap. Embrace the opportunities while you still can. Ever since your company or enterprise was put on my radar, I've been watching it very closely. And um, and I did. I do have a belt, and I do love my my gelt belt. So I'm I'm very excited to learn more about it and and uh, what inspired it. So you know, obviously, the first question always is why. Uh, what inspired you to start this business? And I know it's kind of multifaceted. That and you can tell us more about it. I'll let you start. What inspired? Over 10 years ago, I had a ruptured appendix, got sepsis, and was in the hospital for months and months. Kids were little, and it was terrible, and the whole time uh, they were telling me there's nothing more they could do for me, and I probably wasn't going to make it through. You know, you have an experience like that, and it changes your perspective on life. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I'm not usually a God-fearing person, but there are no atheists in the foxhole. So you start saying, okay, if I get out of here, I swear I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to do something to change the world. You know, and so when I got better, um, I started thinking about ways that I could make my mark in the community, ways that I could give back to the world. You know, what could I do? Mm -hmm. And I started volunteering at um, some local nonprofits here in Bozeman, Montana, we have more nonprofits here than uh, per capita than anywhere in the United States. Oh, is that right? <laughs> so there were a lot to choose from. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. But as I was doing that, I thought, man, what what kind of business could I start? What you know, what can I do uh, to give to create something that everyone would need that I could donate a portion of all the sales back to my community and to different charities across the U.S. and um, across the world. So mm-hmm. I was at the time doing a lot of skiing and hiking and biking and um, wearing a lot of skinny jeans. And I noticing that I had the same issue that my pants were always falling down. And I hated wearing belts because they're <laughs> bulky and uncomfortable and ugly. So I remembered these belts I wore as a kid in the 80s, like the rainbow one yeah. with the buckle and I was like that would be really fun (laughs) what about something like that but with no metal parts so I could wear it through airport security but I could wear it with my jeans I could wear it with my hiking shorts I could wear it with my ski pants 
And so it began. So I decided to create an elastic belt with no metal parts, grippy inner gel that grips to pants with or without belt loops. It's evolved a lot from that. And so, but it's not just a belt that has all these wonderful qualities to it. It's also made up of, um, and tell us more, what is it made of and, and the process that goes into it? Yeah, so... As I started thinking about this design, I said, you know, the last thing I want to do is to create more crap in the landfill. So why don't I make this product out of 100% recycled plastic bottles? So there's a product called Repet, uh, and it is a yarn that they make. They melt down plastic bottles, they turn it into a liquid, and then it's changed into a, a yarn. And all of my elastic is made out of that 100% is made out of that yarn, which makes it um, a really strong elastic, but it's a little bit more expensive than what you'd expect to buy at, you know, mm-hmm. a big box store. Absolutely. And so, and, and you, where is it pro- produced? You have to buy this yarn from China. Um, so we get the raw goods from there. They, right. We ship them to Montana, and then they're manufactured in two really unique ways. One way is that we've partnered with the Montana Correctional Enterprise Program to help uh, women, incarcerated women in the Billings Women's Prison, learn job skills and training. So they they apply for the job, they're interviewed, they're trained, and they're paid hmm. to manufacture our belts. And they really love it. And they've grown and matured and become uh, responsible women who want to work, which is the best thing you can do for somebody who's maybe never worked before never had any self-respect or, you know, drive or work ethic. All of our gelt originals are manufactured there. Okay. Um, and it's a, it's a state-run program, hmm. so we're just one of their clients. And it's a self-sustaining program, so the taxpayers are not paying for that. Yeah. The, the people who have their manufacturing done at the Correctional Enterprise Program, are, are it's a self-sustaining thing, so we're paying to keep that program alive. And they manufacture other things there, too, is what you're saying. So you're oh, not yeah. Going, okay. They okay. do, like, softball uniform for the government or some embroidery hats for breweries or, you know, yeah. there's a lot of different things they're doing there. But we are probably their number one employer because we are committed to working with them because that part of our mission to give back is to help underserved people, especially underserved women who are mothers. Mm. They need these jobs. They need to make money and they need to learn how to have a skill when they're released because they're all released eventually. Yeah. They're all moms. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually, that's one of the things I was saying before that your, your business is so complex because it has, you know, this, this, uh, sustainability element to it. You're using plastic bottles. You're also, um, helping empower women. Is there anything else you wanted to mention in terms of that social mission? And where did that social mission come from? It's all a part of a bigger picture that you had for yourself when you started this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely the whole thing is I'm not in this to make a million dollars. I don't think that way at all. I'm in it. The more money I can make is the more money I can donate. Mm -hmm. And the more belts we're making is the more people we can employ and the more uh, inmates we can work with. And, and another, we actually grew so big that the, the prison program couldn't do, couldn't manufacture all our belts. So we've expanded to um, ranches in remote places in Montana where these women were sewing uniforms for coal miners. It's not, 
happening that much anymore. So now they're sewing belts for us. So we've learned that you, there's ways that you can manufacture where you're still getting a great product mm-hmm. in the end, but helping people along the way. That's amazing. And so how long have you been at this? When did you start up? Basically, we like to say uh, Valentine's Day 2014. You're already expanding. So obviously, it's uh, it's it's doing well, would you say? You're happy yes. with the progress? Okay. Yeah, we're okay. crushing it. And yeah. we, one of our issues is, and I, uh, maybe your listeners have the same issue, is um, definitely supply chain issues, but inventory management. Because if you're not on top of it, and you have a long lead for your supply chain, mm-hmm. you run out of product. And we keep doing that to ourselves, which is yeah. a crusher. But we have thousands in storage and in the warehouse and whatever. We're like, oh, we got plenty. And the next <laughs> thing you know, we don't. And you can't make money if you don't have it. Right now, we just placed a huge order um, for raw goods and are manufacturing in waves. But we have stockpile now. That's so we'll great. manufacture in waves and de- depending on what's selling, what's the hot seller and what sizes are going. And, and we can now, you know, sew as you go, but we'll always have a thousand of each color and size ready to go. And that is a, a challenge, by the way, that a lot of people, uh, similar challenges that other people that I speak to have. But um, any other challenges? Would that be your main challenges that you're, you're, you have to tackle on a day-to-day basis? You know, one of the things, and I, it's a blessing and a curse, mm-hmm. is is where we live in, a, like, a, basically a obscure place in, in the world. A lot of people have never heard of Bozeman or, you know, think Montana. It's like horse and buggy and, you know, whatever. It's not? So it's not. <laughs> it's a really beautiful place. And Yellowstone National Park is yes. 45 minutes away. but. Um, we only have a million people in the whole state. Uh, and if I had started this business, say in San Francisco or right. whatever, you know, there's yeah. a million people in a square mile or something. And you, you're have that many more customers and that much more reach and whatever. And mm-hmm. I feel like maybe I would be moving faster or growing faster, um, which would have probably been a nightmare. Let's be honest. Well, that's the <laughs> truth. That's yeah. yeah. But Living here, you have so much support. When you're mm-hmm. in a small community, you support each other and you buy from each other and you spread the word and you tell your friends and you tell your family that's in Minnesota or whatever to buy it. And, and in that way, I, I felt so supported and um, people take care of you and look out for you. And it's it's great. That's mm-hmm. the greatest part. What more could you ask for? Really? Yeah, seriously. And and. But don't you also sell online or do you have yeah. in stores? Okay, okay. Okay, no, we sell all over the world. We're in right. Amazon, UK, EU. But um, I just think about, you know, the general you see these companies that start in like right. wherever, LA, San Francisco, New York, and I feel like they, they can grow exponentially right. when there's that more people right out the door. I hear you. And are you also selling out of stores or is it all online? Yeah, no, we do sell out of stores. Okay. Uh, we're very particular and I know a lot of your listeners will agree with this. You got to be careful which stores ah. allow yourself to get into because yes. you're really relying on somebody getting paid minimum wage, you know, salesperson or a 
not very much more than that to care about your product, to sell your product, to sell mm. it correctly. You're relying on this store that maybe you've never been to before because it's in Alaska. They're going to display it in a respectful way. You know, you don't want your product to look bad yeah. or stupid or not what it is. So, yeah, so I, we really try to, we've learned that you got to curate and care and educate the the stores that you're in because brick and mortar, as you know, is mm. a tough business. It is, yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's a dying business, but still people want to go and touch it and feel it and try it on. And I hope that when people do with whatever they're buying, that they just go ahead and buy from that store. Don't, don't go home and buy it from Amazon because you're making the, the, the company is making pennies. Yes. The dollar there. And I don't know if people realize that. I, I don't think they always do, but I think that's an important point. Amazon charges storage fees, fulfillment fees, return fees, yeah. and then they charge you to advertise on their platform, and that's the only way you could ever be found. Mm-hmm. So there's all that. It's its own beast. Yeah. And I'm grateful that I'm on it, and I'm grateful that people buy from there. But, man, wouldn't it be great if they just bought from the brick and mortars and from my website? Yes, yeah. it would. <laughs> <laughs> And in terms of brick and mortar, though, are you basically in, in stores only in your uh, city, or have you expanded? Yeah, we we have sales reps basically okay. in the West. We're mostly in the West okay. and, and the Midwest, right? Um, because that's easy for us, and those people know about us, right? And, but definitely online and um, from our website and from Amazon, I would say we have a ton of sales yeah. in Florida, New York. But that's just because that's where people large populations are. But yes, we would, you know, if there's sales reps out there listening, approach me, we would love to get something going. But that's how we operate. Like, let's use a sales rep, somebody that could go into the store, educate the salespeople, make sure it's displayed correctly. You know, mm-hmm. it's it really matters. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of impact, why don't we talk about that? I know we have some preliminary numbers. Imagine t- at least 10 plastic bottles go into one belt. One belt? Okay. And we've produced several hundreds of thousands of belts. We're committed to 1% for the planet, uh, an organization called Thrive. So they're an organization that helps families and kids in Montana. And then Warriors in Quiet Waters, which takes combat wounded veterans from all over the United States, flies them to Montana and takes them fly fishing um, on our beautiful rivers here as a means of rehabilitation. Nice. Really nice. Yeah, super cool program. So we don't, I mean. You donate to them. Just giving it all away. Give it all, give the money to these great charities. Mm-hmm. And uh, another practical, like really concrete yeah. thing I learned is the, what the term recidivism means, which mm. is the rate at which uh, prisoners return to prison yeah. after being released. Yeah. And the recidivism rate of people that participate in the program that I'm involved with is reduced by 30%. That's really, that's impact right there. Um, you should be very proud of that. Um, so what about your five-year goal or one-year goal, 10-year goal? I don't know how everyone has a different way of, of setting their goals. Um, mm-hmm. what, what would yours be uh, short-term, long-term? Any- well, I think, you know, if you're going to be completely honest, my 10-year goal is that somebody buys me out. Right, right. <laughs> hey, that's, that's I like, can't do this yeah. forever. <laughs> My five-year goal would be to double or triple our sales and double, triple the amount of plastic we're getting out of the ocean and the amount of money that we're giving back. And, you know, maybe hire some, definitely hire some more people and just 
get to a point where we're just, it's smooth. And we're not in the trenches every day, everyone wearing 17 hats and running out of product. Unfortunately, that seems to be a common narrative, but, but yes, of course. And, 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 uh, getting beyond that, getting to that smooth, smoother sailing is what is, is a good place to be. Um, what about, uh, lessons learned? So you've been in this a few years, Mm-hmm. Um, anything, and we kind of touched upon a little bit as you went forward talking about the challenges and when you, how you sort of tackling some of them, but generally speaking, would there be any, you know, there are a lot of folks that listen to this or read our magazine and who I speak mm-hmm. to regularly who are really intrigued and interested in starting their own social enterprise, but it's daunting, obviously. Oh my um, God, yeah. I know, I know. So, I mean, and some of the lessons might be just general lessons that any entrepreneur, not just a social mm-hmm. entrepreneur. Yes. Well, I have always wanted, I've done several um, presentations for women's groups, Mm -hmm. including one that I entitled, If Not Now, When? And the whole idea was, it's never too late to start your second, third, fourth career, whatever it is. Right. If If you're on a path and you're not happy and you have this idea or this dream, go for it Mm -hmm. because there's no guarantees for tomorrow. Your appendix can rupture. You could get hit by a train or do it now because there's no guarantees in the future. And it's, it's a lot of work. You have to have a thick skin um, because there's a lot of, there seems to be a lot of naysayers and a lot of devil's advocates out (laughs) there. And um, you know, they're not poo-pooing your personality they just might not agree with why what you're doing and why you're doing it or might not enjoy your product but let it go and move on yeah that's all very good advice that people should hear no matter what type of enterprise they they run right is there anything else that you wanted to say that i didn't give you a chance to say the only thing i would say is if if there's anyone that has questions for me Feel free to email me directly at jen at jeltbelt.com and um, I'll, have, I'll talk to you on the phone or answer your email. I'm just, I'm here to help other people start and pursue their social enterprise. And we can find you at what's your website? Jeltbelt.com. Thank you for listening to In the Business of Change. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear other conversations with inspired social entrepreneurs and change makers working on challenges in their communities and across the globe. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum.